no matter how different families are, because you know families are all different, right? No matter how different and how unique families are, there are a lot of things about families that are the same. For instance, no matter what, this, what a family believes, no matter how strict or how lenient a family is, in every family, there are just some things that you do not do. Now, for some families, those things differ, but there are just some things you don't do. In our family, one of the things we just don't do is we just don't use the word stew. Stew, I can't say it because I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. You said pid, right? Stew. Yeah, that's the word we don't say in our house. Thank you. We just don't say that. And I bring that up because I wanted to share this with you, and it's kind of hard to share with you because what I'm sharing with you, that's the whole title of this deal. But it's a movie called The Stew. Thank you. And that's the name of the family. It's actually, it really describes the movie as well. But um, interesting movie. This family, well, they're stew. Thank you. One day the father finds out that somebody's been stealing his trash off the corner when he leaves it there. <laughs> Stu, okay? Y'all with me? So the, the whole movie is their journey to find out who's stealing their trash. And they go through all different types of venture. One of them, they find out that actually they need to find the man Cinder because Cinder is, is behind all this trash stealing. How do they know that? Well, they got themselves into a post office, and they were looking at all the stuff, and, and the guy, Stanley, remembers, hey, I used to work at a post office, and there were all these letters that were marked, return to sender. And so sender, since he's got his hands on all the mail, he must have his hands on all the trash, too. <laughs> Stu, okay. In one particular scene, oh, Stanley here, he's with his uh, daughter, and they're in a museum, museum. And they're going from floor to floor, seeing all the different things, and you know they're just amazed by what they're seeing. You know, there's some stew things going on. And there's one particular scene. They step off the elevator. They're walking to a door, and it's just dark, and there's there's uh, stars everywhere, and they're like, "Wow, we must be in heaven." And they're just kind of looking around, and the little girl tells her dad, "Do you think we'll get to meet?" You know? He says, well, I don't know. Maybe. So he calls out, Lord, are you there? Lord. And a guy walks up to him. He's wearing a, a, a working uniform. He says, yeah, I'm here. But the name's Lloyd. <laughs> Stanley looks at his daughter and says, all these years, we've been getting it wrong. <laughs> you know, if ever there were a group of people who just seemed to always get it wrong, it were the Israelites. Huh? And when we read the Old Testament, we read time and time again about how they backslide, how they dishonor God, how they just having trouble doing what God wants, and 
And I'm one of those people that just talk about that a lot, and it's real easy for us to do that. And I think that's probably part of what the writer wanted us to see. But I'm also going to tell you, I think, that there were a lot of victories, too, that the Israelites had. A lot of times when they were faithful. There was a lot of times when they honored God. There was a lot of good things that they did as a people as well. And even though they complained just so much, sometimes, I think, they had right to complain. Take what we just read a little while ago. These people are in the middle of a desert. And they're telling Moses, we're thirsty. Duh. It's 100 degrees out here. We've been walking all day. We're thirsty. As I read this, sometimes I think, well, Moses, what are you griping about them? They're thirsty. Hello? I would be too. Last week when we read, they were hungry. Well, hello? (laughs) These people had their lives just totally changed. What they knew before, whether it was good or bad, we'll leave that alone, but what they knew before, it was gone. And here they are now, they've been walking for a month or six weeks or so in the desert, and they're thirsty. These people were As they saw it, hopeless. They didn't have anything. They didn't have their life anymore. They didn't even have the most basic necessity of life. Water. So they were complaining. Sometimes, I bet, there are times in our lives when we can feel like we don't have what we need either. If we all live in the same world, which I think we do, then I think it'd be safe to say, it'd be safe for me to guarantee that there are people sitting in this room this morning that have had times in their lives where they felt like they have lost everything. Huh? And it has nothing to do with a natural disaster either. Oh, you can feel like you've lost everything when a disaster comes. But you can also feel like you've lost everything when you lose a loved one. You can also feel like you've lost everything when your career, career falls apart. You can also feel like you've lost everything when things around you are just going... <sighs> so I bet it's safe to say that more of us here than we realize have had times like that in our lives. So then maybe the Israelites can teach us something. Complaining and all. Don't tell me you've never complained before. At least don't tell me in church, because then you'd be lying. (laughs) See, we can feel like we've lost everything. As mom was telling me about the house, she got to go back and see it and see what the storm did. She's like, oh, this and that. And she had a list of stuff that she wanted to try to see if she could find at least. And she's going through her list and she's telling me and telling me and telling me, okay, yeah, I hope. I had my own list going on. On top of that list was a blue Bible that was there. This blue Bible was the very first Bible that I first read the words, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean out on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Okay? First read that, changed my life. That's another story another day. So I thought, oh, 
That Bible, man, if the house looks like that, if everything else is whatever, that Bible's gone. And then I kind of got, you know, praying about some of this stuff and just, I kind of felt like this thing is something, God telling me, and? John, you didn't get that faith from that Bible. You got your faith from me. And I think that's important because a lot of people, I can, as I can tell it, got their faith in the wrong things. We have our faith in our relationships with other people. We have our faith in, in the stock market. We have our faith in our jobs. We have our faith in everything else. Oh, yeah, we believe in God. And you know what? I'm happy you do. I'm proud of you, and I think that's great. How much do we trust God? Is what determines how we live our lives. John, you didn't get your faith from that one little book. You got it from me. And I think that is the real issue. That's what made God so angry, what made Moses so angry about the people that day, is their unbelief. Their disbelief that, you know what, God wasn't going to do anything for them, and God couldn't do anything for them. Hello? I just brought you out of Egypt. You know, you walked out of their camp. You left all the dead frogs and everything else behind you. All you did was walk out. And when they started catching up to you, I parted the water so you could walk across. When you were safely across, the water came back. They were done for. They've never been the same since. When you were in the day, you got hungry. I gave you something to eat. Do you not think today I'm going to do the same thing for you? Thousands and thousands of years later, as a group of people sit around in a little church in Irving, Texas, I wonder if God says, hello, do you not think I'm going to do the same thing for you? And when Jesus was was with these Pharisees, you know, by what authority are you doing all these things that you're doing? And he's trying to get them, just say it. It's God. Just, Just say it. It has to do with our faith. I read somewhere that you, you can't please God without faith. I read it in the Bible, by the way. Don't think I'm... It's faith. And the problem is, sometimes we put our faith in the wrong things. And when we put our faith in those wrong things, when those things go, when those things fall apart, when those things disappear... What happens to our faith? They're gone. It disappears. So, for all practical purposes, your faith is right where you left it. If you're going to leave it in things, if you're going to leave it in other people, guess what's going to happen sometime? But if you leave it with God, and if you leave it in your heart, guess what's going to happen to it? That's where it stays. It's our faith, brothers and sisters, that brings us closer to God. It's the, the, it was the Israelites' unbelief that God was going to do for them what he said he would that, that was so, just got them so upset. And what the Pharisees couldn't understand is that this was a faith that could do anything. And this faith was available to sinners, to tax collectors, to prostitutes. It was available to CEOs. It was available to the politicians. 
It was available to school nurses. It was available to the unemployed. It's available to anybody. It takes faith to please God. And when you have faith, then you know by what authority Jesus did what he did and by what authority Jesus does what he does. Amen? But the problem is, people, after so many years, still get it wrong. Some people misunderstand me when I make the statement sometimes, well, we have the ability to be faithful. They think, well, you mean the, I'm faithful, I go to church, I do that. Good. That's great. It's an important thing to do. But what I mean to say is when we have the ability to be faithful, if we're all regular people, which I think we are, for the most part, there will be times in our lives when we won't be faithful. You know, when we have communion on Sundays, one of the things we pray together, we say we haven't been an obedient church. We haven't been a faithful church. Why? Because we're people. Yes, we may have times in our life when we are faithful. Yes, we may have long stretches where we're faithful. We may have particular great instances where we're faithful. But the reality is, we are capable of being faithful. And because we are capable, and out of that ability to be faithful, we can do a lot of the good things we do for our church, for our our family, for everybody else. We have the ability to be faithful. But God is faithful big difference. And that's what the Israelites seemed to struggle with. They just thought God was going to leave them out there to die. So they told Moses, Moses, bring us out here to die. We could have stayed in Egypt and had it good. In slavery, in whips, building stuff all day we'll never get to see. Where's the fun in that? And for you and I, That's the same message. Where God is leading us, we just have to have faith to see it. And I don't know where you're being led, but uh, I hope you have the faith to see it. Because a faith that grumbles all the time is a faith that can't see it. A faith that can't see where they're going. A faith that grumbles all the time is a faith that only sees right now what I'm missing And what I don't have, instead of what God has already done for me, proves he'll take care of me where we're going. Brothers and sisters, that faith is important. And a faith that grumbles cannot honor God. And that's what I believe made God so upset about the Israelites. It's the same thing that would have said God about you and I as well. A little while ago, we just prayed together. Thy kingdom come. If God's kingdom is to come, that is going to take faith. If we're going to pray together, and if we're going to live like we want to seek the will of God, that has to take faith. Brothers and sisters, it's my prayer that you and I would have that faith. In Jesus' name. Amen.